appreciate it. Brother Joe, we thank you for the testimonies tonight. And uh, God gets all the glory Hallelujah. for the great things he has done and uh, is doing in this hour. I believe that he's talking if we would just but listen. And uh, I believe he's getting the church ready for us coming. And, um, you know, I've, I've heard it all my life. Jesus is coming. Um, but that just means we're one day closer to for it to be reality. Don't cause me to doubt. It doesn't cause me to, um, to, to not believe uh, his words. Uh, if anything, it causes me to embrace them even more. And uh, looking uh, for his soon re return. And uh, when he comes, um, if anybody makes it, make sure you're one of the ones that do and if anybody makes it in that number and in that crowd, make sure it's you. And uh, that's, that ought to be the desire of each and every one of our hearts every day of our life. Lord, uh, don't let me miss uh, your turn. Lord, don't let me miss what you're doing in this hour. There's a song out that um, it's a newer song that says, Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, please don't do it without me. I mean, I want to be right in the middle of what the Lord is doing. If you have your Bibles, I want to turn with us to the book of Judges, chapter number 16 tonight. I tell you, my throat is threadbare uh, after teaching Sunday school this morning and uh, singing and preaching. I knew there wasn't going to be any singing from Brother Corey tonight. <laughs> and uh, if I wanted to have a voice to preach when Brother Eddie was out, it, it's, it's crazy. When um, the more that you preach... Uh, the more that you can preach. You, you, you're preaching and hollering all the time, and uh, it, it your throat kind of stays conditional. Brother Eddie got well and had a little bit of time off. I guess I'm going to have to start go out and start hollering at trees and cars amen, uh, to keep my throat in shape and uh, might help my throat. Somebody might have me committed, but uh, uh I ain't hitting no much tonight, but uh, pray the Lord to help us and help this throat hold. Going to begin our reading with verse number 18, preached here from uh, many times before. And I'm not going to hold you long tonight, uh, but just a few things um, I feel the Lord would, would have us say tonight. But Judges 16, verse 18, And when Delilah saw that he had told her all of his heart, she sent and called for the Lord of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees and she called for a man. And she caused him to shave off the seven locks on his head and she began to afflict him. And his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and brought him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. Howbeit the hairs of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. I just want to preach to you on, on one word tonight. And it's a word that's not even found in these portions of scripture. But I want to just share my heart with you for a few moments on consecration before the Lord. 
consecration, if you will, stretch forth your hands this way and ask God to help us tonight. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for the privilege that we have to come and to be in your house to worship you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the blessings and the goodness of God that has led us to repentance. You are a good, good Father. And we thank you, Lord, for who you are and for all of the things that you've done. Father, we pray as a lot has fallen for the preaching of the Word of God, Father, that your Word would find a good lodging place in our hearts. And God, the Word of God would be increased 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold in our lives. God, that our lives could be fruitful uh, for the kingdom of God. God, let our lives, oh God, bear the fruits of holiness in all that we do and in all that we are. Be with us now for these next few moments. And God, we're going to give you all the praise for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name that we pray it. And everyone says amen. amen. And amen. Consecration. As we look at the story, and I was always taught that, like many of you in children's church and Sunday school, that Samson's great strength came from his hair. That as long as Samson kept his hair, he had his strength. But the more that I, I look in this story and the more that I study the Word of God, I've come to the conclusion that Samson's strength was not in his hair. And I know what the surface value, you'll think that he's going crazy and preaching something, <laughs> uh, something foolish. But what I believe is that the Samson's strength and Samson's power and Samson's anointing was not in the length of his hair. It could have been 20 inches. It could have been 20 feet. But the power that Samson had came behind the consecration that he carried before the Lord. The power came in his consecration before the Lord because you see, uh, Paul teaches us in Corinthians that doesn't nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it's a shame unto him. What the Word of God says, if, if power come from the, the length of a man's hair, then there's a lot of long-haired hippies in a ballroom that would have the anointing and have strength. But we know that that's not the case. You see, Samson's strength and Samson's power began long before Samson was ever born. Because even in the womb, the angel of the Lord appeared to his parents and told him, this boy is going to be a Nazarite. There's going to be a Nazarite vow that he is going to carry on him in that Nazarite vow. They had, there were several parts of that uh, vow. Number one, he couldn't eat of any fruit of, or drink of any fruit of the vine. Why? He never could be intoxicated. He couldn't partake of or, or touch anything that was dead. He couldn't touch anything that was considered unclean or unholy and uh, one part of that vow was that there, there would never be a razor that would come upon his head Samson wasn't the only one that had this vow uh, we know that the prophet Samuel had a Nazarite vow and that vow was considered the holiest of vows amongst God's people when they looked at Samuel when they looked at Samson when they looked at men who carried this vow, they knew that that was a holy man. They knew that they looked strange. They knew that they looked different. 
They knew that they just didn't look like everybody else. They were set apart. They were living their life for a higher purpose. They were living their life seeking out the, the glory of God rather than the, uh, than the applause of man. And so Samson, as long as he kept that vow, as long as Samson was consecrated before God, Samson had power. Samson had anointing. Samson had an audience with God. And God would move on him. The Bible says at times between the camps of Dan and Eshtaol. There were times when the very presence, the very Spirit of God would rest upon his shoulders. And that was because of Samson's vow and the life that he lived before God. He was a consecrated man. You to look up the word consecrate or consecration, it means to sanctify, to be prepared, to be dedicated, to be hallowed, to be holy, to be sanctified, to be set apart, or to be separate. You see, folks, the key to Samson's power was his holy lifestyle before the Lord. The key to his power, the, the, the strength that he had, it wasn't in and of himself. But it was the power of God that rested upon him. It matters not how much and how hard you try. One cannot separate power in God from being holy before God. You can't. If you want the power of God resting upon your life, if you want the anointing of God upon your life, then follow wholeheartedly after the holiness of God. Amen. Become. Amen. Uh, uh, set apart and be separate for His glory. For this is the key to power. As long as Samson was true to his vow, God anointed him with strength and with power. As a matter of fact, the world was never could figure out the, 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 the key to Samson's power. If it was his big muscles, they would be able to say, well, that's that's what it is. If, if, they were to, if he had just the perfect pedigree, if he was, uh, his parents were bodybuilders and his grandparents were, were from a champion bloodline, then, then they would be able to say, well, that's his genes and that's his genetic. But the fact of the matter is, when they looked at Samson, they were stumped, trying to figure out wherein his power lied. In some portions of scriptures, the Lord of the Philistines came to her and said, entice him. And see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him and afflict him, and we will give thee, every one of us, 1,100 pieces of silver. To put it into perspective, the price of a common slave and the price of a life was figured out to be 30 pieces of silver. They were willing to give him, of every man that was in this coalition, 1,100 pieces of silver. That's how stumped they were. That's how much they wanted to find out wherein does his great strength lie. We know that his strength was not in muscles. It was not in his pedigree. It was not in his background. But his strength was in his consecration and his vow toward God. I mean, that's where his strength lies. And I know I'm not going to preach all of this story. I'm not going to preach long tonight. I promise you that. But we see, fast forwarded, where, where Samson is laying in the lap of Delilah. 
And she gets him to spill the beans and to tell her all of his heart, told him wherein his great strength lied. You better be careful who you tell some things. You better be careful who you share your heart with. Listen, there's some people that you love, but you keep them at arm's distance. Because they don't have your best intentions at heart and mind. Delilah was one Samson never should have been fooling around with her to start with. He would have saved himself a lot of trouble by leaving Delilah alone. But he spilled the secret. He spilled his heart to her, told her all of the things of his heart, said, if you cut all the locks off of my head, I'll be just like any other man. If you were to see how the story transpired, there were other occasions where she asked him where his great strength lies, and he said, if you'll tie me with cords, new cords, new vines, new ropes, I'll be just like any other man. And she tied him up and he'd bust them off. Told him again, you, you, you're making a fool out of me, Samson. Tell me where any great strength lies. He said, if you do this, I'll be just like any other man. He woke up and she had done that. Dear God, shame on me if you fool me once. Or shame on you if you fool me once. Shame on you if you fool me twice. This man, multiple times, the, the light bulb should have come on at some point in time here. This woman does not have my best intentions at heart. But Samson, intoxicated by uh, the feeling, by the emotions, enamored with Delilah, shares the truth. You sh shave these locks off of my head. Be just like any other man. That's what she did. She hollered and said, Samson, the Philistines be upon thee to me, I, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. These are some of the saddest verses in the entire Word of God to me. He said, I'll shake myself and I'll go out as like other times before. But when he woke up and he shook himself, he realized that the Spirit of God had departed from him. It's a sad, sad story when the Spirit of God departs. And the Spirit of God leaves. And I know this goes against the grain from sloppy agape and, and this hyper grace movement. But there is a place that you can go when you take one step too far. There is amen, a line that you can cross with God. And God withdraws His hand. I'm not saying it's the first time you've sinned. That God's just going to knock you off and, and send a lightning bolt from heaven and you're toast and you're done. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that there is a point in time when you can go too far. When you toy around with the devil and you toy around with the world long enough, sooner or later that snake's going to bite. Sooner or later that fire's going to burn. I mean, that's why I mean, we shouldn't try to run with the world in one hand and God in the other. I mean, we shouldn't try to uh, be a spiritual yo-yo to where we're up one day and down the next. No, we should uh, shun the very appearance of evil. If Samson would have stayed away from Delilah, we never would read of the tragedy that ensues. We never would read of, uh, of what happened in his life if he would have just left sin alone. But the fact of the matter was is that he didn't. And we see how sin took hold of him. God withdrew his hand. 
and the same Philistines that he had whooped many times before then put a whooping on him. Not only did he have his hair cut, his anointing stripped, they put out his eyes to where he couldn't see. The Bible says without a vision, the people perish. He had no vision. He had nothing in God. He was just a shell of his former self. The power of God was gone. The glory of God was gone. His great strength was gone. And now he became a slave over the very thing that he used to conquer. You see, because when the Philistines got him, they took him down to the prison house. They bound him with chains and they sent him into uh, the, the, the grain house to, to, to uh, grind the grain. That was the work of a slave. My, how the mighty had fallen. The, the man that God used for great strength to begin the deliverance of the children of Israel was now a slave to the very thing that God had desired for him to conquer and for God to deliver his people from. So we see in this story, now he's in the prison house. Now his, he has no vision, he has no anointing, his great strength is gone. He's just a shell of his former self. But I believe that even though it may not be outlined specifically in Scripture, but I believe that the prison house was the greatest thing that could ever happen for the fallen man of God. He was sent to this place doing the work of a, a slave, but he was shut up from everything that was going on around him. He got away from Delilah. He got away from the distractions. He got away from all of the things that, that enticed him and lured him away that led him to the shape that he was in. And he got alone with God. We know that I've already established that the power wasn't necessarily in his hair. It was the vow behind his hair. But the Bible says, how be it? The hair of his head began to grow again after it was shaven. I believe the same way that that happened in the natural and the physical. I believe that it also happened in the spiritual. I believe that it was in that prison house that Samson got along with God. Samson began crying out unto God, I'm a merciful God. And I believe it was there that he reconsecrated his life. Lord, I've made a mess of things. Lord, I've, I have royally messed up. God, I've transgressed. I've, I've thrown away the anointing and the strength that you gave me. But Lord, in purity, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I believe it was there that Samson reconsecrated his life. I believe that there were three steps and I'm going to run through these very quickly. The consecration. Number one, it started with his separation. You see, as long as there was a Delilah in Samson's life, Samson's life was going to downward spiral out of control. Not only must you be careful who you share your secrets with and you share your heart with, you better be careful who you yoke up with. Listen, there's nothing better in life than marrying the one that God's got for you. And there's nothing worse than marrying the wrong one. Can you say amen? There's been a many ministries that were destroyed before they could ever get started because that man married the wrong woman. There's been a lot of homes that have, was ruined before they ever started because 
a young woman marry the wrong man. You got to be careful of who you yoke up with. Samson yoked up with the wrong woman. His life was in shambles and his life was in ruins. He had to separate himself from that. He had to separate himself from the world. He had to separate himself from Delilah. He had to separate himself from the Philistines. And Samson had to be shut up with Samson. Samson had to have a reality check when it was just him and God. You see, as much as we would like to blame Delilah for Samson's problems, Delilah wasn't Samson's greatest problem. Samson was Samson's greatest problem. Amen. If he would have been where he needed to be with God, he wouldn't have been down in her house to start with. I mean, you can't blame somebody else for your demise when you sign off on it to start with. Say amen. You put the blame where it lies. Samson's blame was with Samson. And Samson had to come to grips with who he was. And listen, there must come a point in time in all of our lives when we become separated unto God. Now I'm not telling you to, like I preached this morning, to become a hermit and go to the Himalayan mountains and uh, have no human interaction. That's not the separation that I'm talking about. But I am saying it is spiritually healthy for you at times to be shut up with God. For you to find a prayer closet somewhere. Shut yourself in and get alone with God. Listen, every great man or woman or God has a point in time where they separate and they withdraw themselves and withdraw themselves unto God to where they get along with God. Paul was separated. He said in Romans 1 verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. If you want to live a consecrated life, it begins with our separation. If you want to walk in consecration, it starts with separation. Lord, thank You for the world. But you have not called me to be of this world. Lord, I, I don't want to blend in with this world. You called me to, to stand out, to come out from among the world and to be separate. Yeah. To touch not the unclean thing. To be in this world, but to not be of this world. Right. Amen. To not be conformed to this world, but to be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. If we want to be consecrated, we must first willing to be separated. To be separated from this world and to be separated unto God. That's what sanctification is. To be separated. Number one is separation. Number two is isolation. Samson was in this place. He had separated himself from everything else in the prison house. It was just him and God. Secondly, it led to Isolation. Every man or woman of God worth their salt has some time in their life when they were shut up with God. Shut up with God. For Moses, it was 40 years on the backside of the desert. For Isaiah, it was in the temple after his uncle Uzziah died, but he said, I've got to see and get a hold of God for myself. Isolated with God in the temple. For Paul, for three and a half years, he spent separated from God, or separated unto God. Jesus had 40 days that He went to a wilderness, just Him and God. The apostles in the upper room, they were there, some 500 received the, the invitation to tarry in the city of Jerusalem to be endued with power. 380 left without the promise. But 120 was willing to stay there isolated until the promise came. 
you never read again in Scripture of the 380 that missed out. But you read about the 120 that changed their world and turned it upside down. Listen, it wouldn't have happened if they weren't willing to be consecrated. If they weren't willing to be separated and isolated under God. Listen, if you want the power of God, there must be times when you're isolated and you're shut in with God. I'm reminded of uh, uh, Oral Roberts in his early beginnings in Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina. Brother David Talbert preached in the church that uh, Oral Roberts uh, pastored many, many times. Brother Talbert said one day as he was preaching a revival in that church, he was, I believe, staying in a back Sunday school room at the church and he just started looking around and got lost in the back of a church and he found a door and he opened that door and when he opened it, he said that there was just a wave of the overwhelming presence of God. He said he just felt God in that house and uh, was just basking in the presence of the Lord. He said it was one of the few times to where he just felt a, a glory wave. And he asked the, uh, one of the, the pastor of the church, he said, can you tell me what, what about that back room? He said, I went in there mistakenly. He said, I just felt the glory of God. He said, brother, that is where Oral Roberts' ministry began. He said he was pastoring this church and said the church was doing okay, but he said he just got tired of going through the motions. He got tired of having church as normal and usual. And so he told his wife, he said, I'm going to go on a 40-day fast. He said, I'm going to lock myself up at the church. He said, either God is going to change me or I'm done. He said, I, I can't afford to have just church as usual and church as normal, but God's got to do something in me. He said, I'll, I'll have a cup. He said, of water. He said, I want you to go out. And he said, I want you to fill that, that there was a jug. He said, I want you to fill that jug of water up every day. He said, you'll know I'm alive if in the morning when you come out. He said, you see that jug outside the door. He said, I want you to fill it up and leave it. He said, but other than that for 40 days, he said, there's going to be no interaction. He said, I've got to get along with God. He'd drink the water. Amen. He'd put the water outside. That was his sign that he was alive and, and well, but that was all he did for 40 days. He was shut up in communion with God. But somewhere along the, the, the time of that 40-day fast, God met with him there. The glory of God came down and the worldwide ministry of Oral Roberts was birthed. I'm not here to endorse his latter years, but I am here to tell you that God did use that man mightily. Amen. Why? Because he was willing to be isolated. He was willing to shut himself up with God. And God, amen, consecrated that life. Amen. Thank God. For the times of, of corporate displays and, and when God moves in a crowd and in a congregation, I love amen, being in presence of God with my brothers and sisters. But I can tell you there's nothing sweeter than when it's just me and God. When we're shut up together, Brother Daniel, in communion and the glory of God passes by. Amen. That's not going to happen unless you're willing to isolate yourself with God. Starts with separation. Progresses to isolation. And it must be rooted in desperation. Listen, if you're not desperate for more of God, 
you're not going to get very far. There in all of us should be a sense of desperation to where we're desperate for more of Him. The Bible says in Him we live, we move, and we have our being. He is the orchestrator of our life. Meaning, He is the author of each and every breath that we take. For a man that's on a ventilator, he is, his life is tied to that life source. That, that machine is what's keeping him alive as it's filtering oxygen throughout his body. He is dependent upon that life source. For a man that's incapacitated and a man that's in, in such a state, if that machine goes down, it's over with for him because that is his life source. You and I aren't tied to a ventilator machine tonight. But God is our life source. The same way that man is dependent upon a machine, you and I are dependent upon him for our very next breath. And the sad thing is, is that the alcoholic and the drug addict and the prostitute and the lost and the unregenerate, they're just as dependent upon Him as we are and they don't even realize it. The same God that they curse and blaspheme and despise is the same God that's keeping them alive, that's giving them breath after breath. Amen, folks. We must realize just how desperate and dependent we are upon God. If we ever get to the point where we think we can do things on our own or by myself, then you are headed friend, for misery. Amen. But just as a newborn babe is dependent upon that mother for life, oh folks, you and I are dependent upon the author of life. Oh, hallelujah. We are dependent upon Him. In Him we live, we move, and we have our being. We must, if we want to live a consecrated life, get to the point where we realize that just how desperate we are for Him Amen. breeds desperation. Samson was in a desperate position where he had to have God. He had no hair, no vision, no power, no family, no friends. All he had was God. But when you find yourself in a place where God is all that you've got, friend, you'll find out God is all that you need. I believe with all of my heart it was in this prison house Samson reconsecrated his life. Shut up with God. How be it the hair of his hair, hair of his head begin to grow again after it was shaven. I believe that was physical as well as spiritual because there came a point in time when the Philistines poured him out to make fun of him and make sport. The lad let him to the, uh, to the temple, led him to the place where they were sitting. He said, lead me to the pillars. And he was there and he began to pray a prayer. He said, oh God, would you avenge me for mine eyes? I believe it was a prayer of contriteness before God. Lord, I pray that you would help me to avenge from what the devil has done to me. Help me, O oh God, one more time. Avenge me for mine eyes. Avenge me for what hell has robbed me from. And the anointing of God came upon him stronger 
at the end of his life than it ever did at any point in time before. You read the story, you the word of God, how he leaned upon the pillars and the, the house of uh, fell down and more Philistines were killed in his death than there were at any point in time in his life. It never would have happened if that was Samson's strength resting upon the pillars. But it was God's strength once again falling upon him. Not a reprobate, not a sinner, but a consecrated man who consecrated his life before God. Cursing, if you'll come help me, I'm done tonight. Isolation, separation, isolation, desperation. It all led to Samson's consecration. In the end of Samson's life, God used as mightily as He did the beginning of his life. Listen, I believe that Samson, and I've preached it many times, is a point and a type of the church. You see, Samson did great exploits throughout the years. Samson failed. Samson was made fun of by this world. But there was one final move of God at the very end of his life. I believe that we can liken that to the church where there's been many wonderful acts that have taken place throughout the years. But I think if we're all honest, in many places the church is just a shell of what she one time was. And in many places the church is mocked and ridiculed, despised, laughed at, just like they laughed at the man of God. Just like they made fun of him, made sport of him. But we can read once he came back to the altar, he reconsecrated his heart before God. His last chapter was his greatest chapter. That gives me hope, Brother Daniel. If we'll come back to the altar and reconsecrate our hearts toward God, the last chapter of the church could be the greatest chapter of the church. The greatest chapter of the church just prior, just before the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church can be our greatest hour. Oh, preacher, there's going to be a great falling away. I believe it. I believe we've been witnessing the great falling away for some time. The love of many is waxing cold. People who one time turned, burned bright for God it's turning and running in the other direction. What's happening? I believe the falling away is here, folk. But that don't have to be your testimony. <laughs> that don't have to be my testimony. Because even despite the great falling away in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Listen, you don't have to be a statistic in the great falling away. Amen. But you can be a Samson that will reconsecrate your heart toward God once again. And let God use you mightily in the final hours. Just prior to the coming of the Lord, I believe God is looking for such men and women. Why are you preaching this way? On a Sunday night, there ain't a handful of us here. You're preaching to the choir. I know it. We're heading into a week of camp meeting. And we say this every year. But I believe it more this year than ever. This could be our last camp meeting. This could be the last meeting that we're ever together as a corporate body, if we even make it to camp meeting. And it's just a week away. It's no guarantee that we will, folks. I believe in the imminent, the soon, 
the pending, the, the, the sure return of Jesus Christ, and it could be this very second. But if we make it to camp meeting, I believe this could be our last. And I can tell you it's more important than ever before that we get as full of God as we can possibly get. But I believe this. God impressed on my heart today so strongly. You're only going to get out of camp meeting what you put into camp meeting. I say that again. It's always the highlight of our year. God moves and blesses. But you're only going to get out what you put in. You got a 401k account. You put $1.50 in that account every year. And you get retirement age. You can't be sad if you've only got $50 in there. You're not going to put $1.50 in and expect to become a millionaire. You're only going to get out at the end what you put in. And I can tell you it's the same way in the spiritual. You want to invest in the kingdom of God. You want to pour into the kingdom of God. You want to get reap a dividend. You want to reap uh, the benefits. You're going to have to put something into it. It's not just Brother Eddie's job to pray down revival fire. It's not just the Sunday school teachers, the musicians' job to sing it down, or the evangelist's job to preach it down. But we as a body must bind together in this late hour, and we must pray it down. If we're only going to get out what we put in, I believe that we as a church need to come back to the altar of consecration and say, Oh God, one more time, would you send a move of your spirit? We must be willing to do what Samson did to separate ourselves, to isolate ourselves, and to make ourselves desperate before God. We've got a week before camping starts. And I wonder if you would join with me. I know you've got jobs. I know you've got to work. I know you've got obligations. We all do. But could we all find times this week to reconsecrate ourselves before God? To shut things out. Most of the things that we shut out, we shouldn't have even allowed in to start with. Can you say amen? Does, doesn't do much for our spiritual edification. But shut it out. Shut it down. Separate ourselves. Isolate ourselves. Dedicate ourselves before God. Pour ourselves out unto God. And allow Him to move mightily in our house. I believe if we'll reconsecrate our hearts, I believe this is, could be our last camp meeting. But I believe that this will be our greatest camp meeting. Amen. I wonder if we could to find us a place to pray and let that be our prayer and our hearts cry before God. Consecration tonight. Consecrate ourselves. Separate ourselves. Lord, your will be done in us and not mine. Lord, I'm hungry and I'm desperate for more of you. And Samson of old cry, I cry aloud tonight. Oh God, avenge us for our eyes. Avenge us for what the enemy has stolen from us. Let our final hour be our greatest.